Um, so, being the body of Christ, we are the family of God. Jesus Christ is the head of the body, and we form the rest of the parts, which he carefully and specifically puts in place. And some people today, especially young people, find no purpose in the church. doesn't meet any needs in their lives. They don't understand. And they will ridicule the church. But the church is the bride of Jesus. And so if someone said to me, I like you, but I don't like your wife. She's not that attractive to me, not that appealing to me. Not only that, she spends all of her time with those little urchins who run around, make noise, make a mess, cause trouble. I don't find any purpose in that. So I like you, but I don't like your wife, and I don't like your family, and I don't, like, I don't want to get together with all of you. I just want to get together with you. And Jesus' bride and Jesus' family is the church. And he has made promises to the church that sacrifices and serves in unseen ways and bears the brunt of ridicule and rejection on his behalf. And he says this, the gates of hell will not prevail against my bride. You don't want to have anything to do with my bride? How do you think that makes me feel? My whole purpose is tied up in my bride, in my family. Everything that I bless and every blessing that I extend to others comes through my bride and my children, and they all have a part to play. <clears throat> so when we look at the Scripture this morning, we'll do that in just a minute, we're going to uh, discern, distinguish, we're going to parse words because every word of God is pure. And we're going to see that in making distinctions about what God does with us is all related to our inheritance. So you see in the news the president wanting to tax the inheritance. You see this on the television, and you'll see there's a new series starting called Strange Inheritance. And so the inheritance is an exciting thing to consider. God has two kinds of inheritance. He has the gift of the inheritance, and he has the reward of the inheritance, and I want to talk to you about that. But to illustrate that, I brought something very, very special to me and to my family. And so this is part of the inheritance that 
I'm going to pass on to my family. And inside of this old watch, there's an inscription. And it says, W. Lore. And so my great-great-grandfather, Wilhelm Lore, came over to this country, and he left everything. And he sacrificed with the vision for bringing many sons to glory in the new land 150 years ago. And since that time, there has not failed to be a William in our family. And this has been passed down to the firstborn named William in our family. And so it came to my brother, who is the firstborn in our family, and he's named William. Um, so my brother Bill was given this, this watch. So there's an inheritance that I will pass on to my children. But this is also part of the inheritance. And it will go to the one who names a child William. So my brother Billy say, well, why are you passing that on? You're not firstborn and your name's Michael. And so my brother, my brother was paralyzed in the Vietnam War. And he can't have children. So I named my firstborn child William. So then Billy had an incurable genetic disease and he died after first year of life. And so my brother Bill gave this uh, to me to give to one of my grandchildren. Uh, and so my children will have to name one of their male children, <laughs> William, if they want to enter into the reward part of the inheritance. All of my children are going to, whatever I have at the end of my life is going to be divided among them and they're all going to get that as a gift. But they have to do something to get the reward of the inheritance. The name of Wilhelm and William in our family is very important. And we remember our great-grandfather who came. And so this is going to be given to uh, one of my children who carries the last name to remember the suffering and the sacrifice and the serving that great-great-grandfather Wilhelm made to come here. And then it will extend to another generation, Lord willing. So, the reason I, the reason I mention this is to introduce the passage of Scripture we're going to begin with this morning. It's found in Romans chapter 8, 
I'd like you to turn there. And I'd like you to consider verse 16 and verse 17 of Romans chapter 8. I'm waiting. You're turning. It's the Word of God. I want you to look at it. So it says, The Spirit of God Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And so now we're going to discern, we're going to parse the Scripture. And I want to tell you what usually doesn't appear in the translations of this verse, verse 17. Uh, It's a logical marker. Actually, there are two of them that can be translated on the one hand and on the other hand. And... Here's the way it would read when you translate them. And people don't like to translate them because too many words. So I want to tell you something on the one hand. I want to tell you something on the other hand. You say, okay, get on with it. So that's the way that translators do. But it's very clear in the original. And it says, and if children, then heirs. Heirs on the one hand of God and join heirs on the other hand with Christ. If, indeed, we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So there is the inheritance from God the Father. And then there is, there, there is the inheritance of God the Son. So Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, Scripture says, right? And being the firstborn then he gets the lion's share of the inheritance. And what this passage is saying is that being a child of God, you're going to get an inheritance. But the firstborn gets most of the inheritance. And that goes to Jesus. And it's saying Jesus will also allow you to share his inheritance. That's what it means, joint heirs. You can be a joint heir and share his inheritance on top of what God the Father gives you as a gift of his inheritance for being his child. But there's a condition on Jesus' inheritance. There's not a condition on the inheritance you receive from God the Father as his son or daughter. It's all shared with you equally. You're brought into the household of God and Um, seated with Christ in the heavenlies and all kinds of other things. Uh, Very exciting about becoming a child of God. You get that inheritance free, full, from God. But if you want to share in the firstborn's inheritance too, which he offers, here's the condition. If indeed you suffer with him, you will also be glorified with him. And so there's a distinction. And just as I make a distinction for the inheritance I'm going to give to my children, 
There is the gift of the inheritance for all of them, every child of mine. And there's the reward of the inheritance for those who remember Wilhelm and his suffering and his sacrifice and take that and own it, own the name. So what this has done in our family is that everybody is looking if the, to see if they can be the one that gets the name William so they can get this special treasure. And everybody focuses on this for their family. Some of the children say, I don't care about that. Some of them do. So we have eight children. We have all kinds of possible situations going on. Four boys, we have four girls. And so this is the way it's going in our family. So with this in mind, I want you to consider not just the inheritance that you get as a child of God, the gift of the inheritance. I want you to consider the reward of the inheritance. But there's a contingency. And the contingency is that you serve and suffer and sacrifice for the name of Jesus Christ. And if you serve him to the point of sacrificing and suffering, his name will be lifted up and he will exalt you in due time. But the world and the devil will hate you. You will suffer to one degree or another. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want you to look first again at the gift of the inheritance in Ephesians chapter 1. So flip a few pages over and consider this. In Jesus, because of adoption in Him, you get to come into the family of God and there is the gift of the inheritance. Look at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 1. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. This is every child of God's inheritance. This is the gift of the inheritance. Being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. He gets to decide. It's his inheritance. And then there's the reward of the inheritance. The gift of the inheritance qualifies us for the reward of the inheritance. If you're not a child of God, you can work hard, but you don't get the reward of the inheritance. And so that's what it talks about in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us 
to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. All of the children of God, all everybody in the family of God is qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. All right. So then what about the reward of the inheritance? Turn over to chapter 3. And look at verse 23. And whatever you do, as a child of God, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Scripture is very specific. And if you're careful with it, you can gain an understanding. The understanding from these verses, properly parsed, is that you get an inheritance for serving, but you're qualified by the gift of the inheritance to get the reward of the inheritance. Does that make sense? That's what this is saying. And it only comes to those who are children of God and who are willing to serve and suffer and sacrifice. So there are a lot of people that receive the gift of the inheritance by grace through faith that say, that's enough for me. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to sacrifice. And the reward of the inheritance will not be yours if that's the way you approach God. So then, the inspiration of Jesus Christ for serving and suffering and sacrificing His life is a motivator. And so let's see that in Scripture. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, bring us into the family of God, adopted in, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And then drop down to verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Do you have to do that? It's a command. Do some people do it? In other words, they say, He suffered. I should be willing to suffer. He served. I should be willing to serve. He sacrificed. I should be willing to sacrifice. I will prepare my mind to enter the battle. I will stand for Jesus. I will speak up for Jesus. I will serve Jesus, I will against 
the hostility of the world. I arm my mind for battle. Arm yourselves with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What's the point? If you cling on to your old sins that you've been forgiven for, you've been washed and cleansed and forgiven, if you hang on to those, they will take your motivation for serving and suffering and sacrificing. They'll take it away from you. And you have to go into battle. Therefore, if you've committed yourself to serving and suffering and sacrificing, you're forsaking your sin. You're ceasing from that way of life. It's enough. Verse 3, it's enough having spent your past lifetime doing the will of the world walking in lewdness and lusts and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. And and so when you say enough is enough, you take your stand for Jesus and somebody says, hey, we used to go out drinking. You want to go and say, no, I don't. Why not? Because now I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven of my sins. And you can be too, by the way. And they say, oh, ridiculous. And regarding these things, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. And so they will say bad things, that they will turn against you. You're no longer part of them. And what God wants you to do is to come to a point in your life as his child, receiving the gift of the inheritance, to move on, to receiving the reward of the inheritance, which, by the way, Scripture specifies, you will reign with him. He will give you ruling responsibilities. And in his kingdom, you will have areas of service that will be given to you as a reward, but not if you fail to stand for Christ refuse to own his name, blush to speak his cause. All right, so this, you can see, is the clear teaching of Scripture. Some people don't make these distinctions, and they just say, work hard, and you'll be rewarded with heaven for working hard at it. And some people will say, I've got the gift. I'm in the family of God. It's good enough for me. And they'll confuse these two passages. And they'll say, some will say, I don't need to work. I got it. And there'll be some people who say, you don't need to work. It's all about work. And they won't make the distinction properly. But you have seen the clear distinction and why. So go back to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to finish with that.
Verse 11, Jesus in His purposes gives gifts, leadership gifts to some in the church. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the purpose of equipping the believers, the saints, for the work of the ministry. So it's our purpose, and I'm fulfilling that purpose in part right now, in bringing the Word of God to you and equipping you by orienting you to the truth about the gift of the inheritance and the reward of the inheritance so that you can do the work of the ministry. You say, well, you're the minister, not me. I'm paying your salary for you to do the ministry. That's not what God says. God says he gives some as gifts to the congregation to prepare them, encourage them, make them ready, equip them so that they can do the work of the ministry. The grammar is very clear here. That means you all are doing the work of the ministry. Well, what is that and how does that look? So the work of the ministry is for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. How does that happen? The building up of the body of Christ happens when each part does its share. Then Jesus Christ is properly presented to the world. When people see you all functioning together, they see Jesus. When they see you not doing anything or arguing and fighting, they don't see Jesus. They say, that's just like any other human group. But when they see the people of God accomplishing the purpose of God by presenting the body of Christ to the world, they say, I want to know the head of that body where diverse people can come together and fulfill the purpose of God working together in peace till we all attain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ is presented to the world. I want to see that. And I want to get to know that Jesus. And so you can see that your participation in all of this is crucial. Otherwise, people don't get a good, clear picture of Jesus and they won't own his name and they won't receive his salvation and they won't serve to the point of sacrificial suffering. So listen. Till we all come to the unity unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children and grow up into all things, speaking the truth in love, into Jesus who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There's the purpose of God, and there's your inheritance in participating in it. And if you do, you say, well, I can't can't speak in front of people. I can't either. 
doesn't matter. God will make it happen. And so that may be what God wants you to do. But maybe he wants you and your part to be ligament. You say, I'm old now. I'm feeble. Well, good. The hardest job uh, is the one that you can do. And that's to pray. And that's the most important job and it's the hardest job. And those whose body breaks down, wears down, are left with the greatest task yet. For God to answer here and answer your prayers, to accomplish his purposes. And you may say, well, I'm, there's a lot of things to do around here. All of this is volunteer stuff. And, you know, I'm a mechanic. There's a church van. I, I'm a horticulturist. There's things to present the glory of God. I, I just decorate. That's my thing. There's a job for you. I just clean. That's, that's your job. And I like to work with children. That's a good job. So you each have your part, whether it's a finger or a knuckle or a, um, a muscle or it doesn't matter. When, all, when everyone senses this is my part, that God has given me, and I mean to fulfill it. You enter into the reward of the inheritance. And so we've been speaking on these things for a month. And this is the last passage. And I say, as Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Consider the part that you have to play. And if you all do this, people will see Jesus and they'll say, I want to get to know the head of the body. Who runs this place? What's going on? It isn't Kevin. It isn't me. It isn't Brent. It's Jesus. He, he supplies everything for all the body to work together. He's the head. And so we present him that way because the word does. So... There you have it. We want you to enter into the joy of not just knowing Jesus from the gift of the inheritance, but serving him with the reward of the inheritance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a few moments um, in our presence, our presence with you, your presence with us, to consider from your word this day what your purpose is for us. Wanting to give us all good things, both as your children and as a joint heir with Christ. Put it in our hearts as to what it is you want us each and everyone individually to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. <laughs>